So um, I think most of you already know I'm Christian. I'm the pastoral intern, I'm a Duke Div student. So I'm preaching today on Rich Mullins, who's like one of my favorite people. And I guess I'll start with our text and then we'll get into it. So our text today comes from Philippians 2, 5 through 11, which says, Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal of God something to exploit. But he'd emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of human, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names. So at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth might bow, that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, Rich Mullins is a popular Christian singer in like the 80s and 90s. That's him right there. Great smile. He wrote the song like Awesome God or Sing Your Praise to the Lord, which was like very popular in the 90s in the evangelical scene. And it's, he's a really interesting figure because he died in 97 in a car accident. But since then, he's kind of like assembled a cult following. There's a lot of people that are very interested in his life. There's a movie about him and a do, like several documentaries. A ton of people have written books about him because like he's just a very interesting figure. And from the outside, he seems like any other 90s Christian singer, which were there are a lot of them. But he, he, was, he was, like, very different than a lot of them and kind of stuck out. And I always joke, since being at Duke Divinity School, a lot of my heroes or people, like, in the church I thought were, like, really cool. I, like, I came to Duke Div, and now I, like, see that most of them are, like, problematic in some ways because that's what Divinity School does a lot of the time. But, like, Rich is one of the people that's, like, stood the test of time. And, like, I still have, like, faith in what Rich did and his ministry. So um, he was much more than a run-of-the-mill Christian contemporary music artist. He was a very odd character. He was a very strange guy. He was really reckless and wild, and he did his best to live out the words of Jesus, no matter how crazy it seemed to other people. So I'm going to tell a bit of his story so we can get on the same page and then go from there. So he was born in like a little town in Indiana. It's called Lynn, Indiana, in 1995. And he was like raised in like a typical... Indiana farm household where like he had like a lot of siblings and they went to church they actually were Quakers so they he grew up in that tradition but he was kind of an outsider in an Indiana town he wasn't into farming which is what Indiana is really into and he wasn't into basketball which is like the sport of Indiana also the sport of North Carolina so he wasn't very athletic but he was a really good musician. He was a great piano player at a young age, and people kind of like saw his talent, and he was very involved in the church. When people asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up, he would always say a missionary, and that was like not the right answer where he came from because your options were like basketball player or like farmer. So he was obviously a really like different kid. He like grew up in that town, and then he eventually moved to Cincinnati for college, and his first few years of college, like, people didn't really know who he was. He was, like, this disheveled loner figure of long hair. He didn't shower. He wore, like, ripped jeans and flip-flops. And everyone was just like, this guy is crazy. Who is this guy? Why is he here? And then eventually, people figured out that he was, like, a singer-songwriter. And he would play in bars and on the music scene. And they found out he was, like, really, really talented. So eventually, people at his school formed a band around him. 
and they just like took off. They did the whole like youth retreat circuit, and there is like they just did really well. They made a record, and then he wrote a song called "Sing Your Praise to the Lord," which was like a hit in the '80s, and that really took off his career. Amy Grant put it on one of her records, and then his career went from there. Like a classic musician, he moved to Nashville, and that's how he got his start. So he began his music career in Nashville, and the executives and the record producers were shocked when, like, this is the guy who wrote the song, when Rich Mullins, long hair, doesn't shower, wears ripped clothes and stained t-shirts show up in their office, when they're used to the Michael W. Smiths of the day who wear, like, cool, like, jackets and, like, cowboy outfits and have, like, big hair. So he was just, like, very different. And he was just someone that he didn't care about record sales. He didn't care about reaching quotas. He just wanted to like write music and get these prayers that he was writing out to everyone, like the one we sang this morning. He was really far from conventional, and he started touring with Amy Grant and other musicians. And there's a lot of really good stories from his early tours. So a lot of times he would go, like they put out like food in the green room before musicians would play. And, like, the staff at, like, churches or auditoriums would kick him out because they assumed he was, like, a homeless person. And then, like, the stage check would happen. And then the guy who they, like, they threw out of the stadium, like, goes on the stage. And he's, like, the premier headlining artist. So that gives you, like, a big picture of who he was. And another cool thing about him, he played the piano and the guitar. But he also played the hammered dulcimer, which is, like, it's, like, an Appalachian instrument. And it's, like, look it up. It's just, like, the coolest thing. So... But he was, he was not a conventional musician at all. He wouldn't just, like, shut up and play if he, like, followed sports, the whole, like, LeBron James thing. I feel like he was similar to that. He, like, he wouldn't just go on the stage and play. Like, if there was something happening politically or socially, like, he would feel the urge to speak about it. So in a lot of his concerts, you can look up recordings, and he'll just, like, go on these kind of, like, incoherent rants in between song because, like, he felt so deeply that, like, his music was a platform to get Christian music and his prayers out there, but he, he wanted to be more than that. So I'm going to read one of his favorite little like sermon rants from one of his concerts. So Rich says, Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. And it's what I've come to think, that if I want to fully identify with Jesus Christ, I claim to be Lord and Savior. The best way that I can do that is to identify with the poor. This, I know, will go against the teachings of many popular preachers, but they're just wrong. They're not bad, they're just wrong. Christianity is about learning to love like Jesus loved, and Jesus loved the poor, and Jesus loved the broken. The crazy thing about Rich is he wasn't someone that would say something like this at a concert, or I guess in modern terms, he wouldn't just put this on Twitter. He just really, he really lived this way. So like one great story about how Rich, how Rich chose to live really intentionally is he went into his like his accountant's office one day and was like hey how much money do I make because he, he had no clue how much money he made and his accountant told him like some very large number because he had great record sales he was really popular and then Rich then asked like what's the average American salary for like a single person and then the accountant told him that and then he was like pay me that salary instead and give the rest away which is just a testament to like how crazy this guy was and how much he cared for the poor. And he lived the same way like on his tours. 
he wouldn't he didn't have a tour bus he drove like everywhere in a jeep with like him and his little golden retriever and that's just like how he got along because he like wanted his his tours to be to be cheaper and like his bands just drove in vans he wanted this tight-knit community and even more like throughout his career more and more he felt the need to not just be a musical artist. He wanted to be something more than that. He wanted to help, not just through money. He wanted to like be the hands and feet in the community. So halfway through his career, he just like cut everything he was doing in half. And he went back to school to get a music education degree so he could teach on a Navajo reservation. And that's like what he did. So there's stories of him. He would like be touring in the UK or Ireland or something, but he would still make sure he was back like every Monday morning to like be in his music education classes and the the faculty at the school he went to in Kansas they were like no you can like we'll like work around your schedule and he was like no I want to be like every other student so like he played in like the school marching band he did like everything that was expected of him which is just a testament to who he was and then after he got his music education degree he moved out to New Mexico and worked on a Navajo reservation where he he like lived in a trailer and he brought some other college students he met with him and he basically started he was really influenced by Francis of Assisi so he started like his like a quasi monastic order called the Kid Brothers of St. Frank so he like got all these college students he like met at when he was doing his music education degree and several of them moved out to New Mexico and they like were teachers they worked in a reservation and they lived in they lived in trailers and eventually they built their own like the kind of like the adobe homes they live in so like he built his own one of those and there's there's videos of him he's like not good with his hands or building as i said before and there's like videos of him like spending months working on like this like little like house he's gonna live in and it's like very frustrating to him and like everyone in the reservations like no like we can get someone to build this for you and he's like very determined like I'm building this for myself. Another big part of his life is like his ideas of community were really weird. So there's stories like he would never like buy a house or like want to live by himself. He would always he would always like want to live with someone else. So he would like live in a family's attic or he would live in a barn or a shed. Like he wanted to be close to people. And on the same way his tours operated the same way. Where like he would have professional musicians and then like some college student he met but wasn't that good at the guitar but he would like let them join the band some of his roadies or people he just like met at gas stations and were like this guy's cool he needs a second chance i'll take him along so we had this ragtag group of people that he called the ragamuffin band and that came together his whole lifestyle was very much about living in christian community and that like in a more unconventional way he like he's a type of person that would show up to your house for dinner or just show up at your house and be like can I use your laundry machine and we'll just do laundry there his ideas of like what's mine and what what's yours he just didn't that didn't register in his mind for him being like Christ was sharing everything so I think Rich's view of Christ and Christianity really echoes Philippians 2 5 through 11 that God the Almighty the eternal the eternal which used to be human one of us a simple man an ordinary person with friends, family, hunger, thirst, and loneliness. All the things that plague us, God also felt on his time on earth. And if God was willing to become a lowly one of us, why do we take our status so seriously? Why do we feel the need to be perfect and show each other that we're perfect all the time, that we have it all together, and that we can sustain ourselves? 
acting like we got it all together all the time. Rich was really influenced by a former Franciscan monk named Brennan Manning, who wrote this little book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, which is really solid. The Sparknotes version of this book is that God loves us the way we are, not the way we ought to be. And that's kind of the way that Rich lived his life, and I think really echoes Philippians 2, 5 through 11, that Jesus loved humanity so much that he became just a normal guy. He rubbed elbows with the crooked politicians and the tax collectors. He hung out with stinky fishermen and immigrants, and he did, he did everything that was, he hung out with the most ordinary people and put himself on the same level as the poor. If Jesus was friends with this type of crowd, and I think for many of us, if we really admit it, we have mistakes and we have flaws, I know I do, we are that type of crowd. And as hard as we look, try to have it all together and look like we're doing well, sometimes we don't. We have to own our own flaws and mistakes and accept ourselves and accept that God can love us, which is really hard. And something that is so, and someone like Rich, was so great and did so much. He had a lot of struggles in his life, and he was very much very human, and I think he would hate to be called a saint like we're doing today because he had, he had a lot of problems. He had a lot of struggles. I think one thing that's cool about this sermon series is that we're learning a lot about these great people, but we're also learning through their mistakes also and where they went wrong. And Saints are, are people, ordinary saints. They're people just like us, and they had mistakes and flaws. So Rich was pretty far from perfect. He really doubted his calling as a musician. As I kind of stated before, he always wanted to do more. Like, he couldn't just be a musician. He had to be, like, the one building the house. He wanted to do everything as much as possible. I think a lot of that stemmed from, like, not being, like, he wanted to work with his hands or do more or, like, earn an honest living like a lot of his family did. He struggled with loneliness and depression, and there was times in his life where, like, just being on tour for a long time, he would make sure that, like, someone was with him all the time because he was just, like, terrified of being alone because so much of his life was, like, being alone on tour. He struggled with alcoholism for bits of his life and just had, like, he had a lot of inner demons. He always felt the need to do more. Towards the end of his life, he, like, doubled his touring schedule while working on the reservation and teaching music. And, like, he eventually died in a car accident driving from New Mexico to Missouri to do a concert. And a lot of that is, like, just exhaustion. He felt like he had to do more and more. And after that, that concert he was headed to, he, like, he didn't have any plans after that because he kind of reached a point where, like, the systemic oppression on the reservation and the poverty there, it, it was, like, it was getting to him. And he felt like he couldn't do enough. He really, like, poured out his life trying to help so much. So I think one lesson we can learn from Rich is about, like, when Jesus was on earth, when he was a person, like, he also rested. Like, he was, he was, like, he was God, but at the same time, like, when he, there was huge crowds, Jesus, like, takes a boat, goes across the water, and, like, takes a nap. And I feel like that's, that's one thing Rich didn't do very well that we can learn from is just we have the need to always want to do more we always want to help or just in our lives in general. But like there is a need for rest and God becoming man also shows us like a better way to be human. And that involves like taking Sabbath, taking like necessary rest, taking a mental health day. And that's something that like Rich didn't learn how to do and kind of like ultimately maybe cost him his life. So I think that's something important to note is to learn through his mistakes at well. 
So like Rich, many of us have a hard time fully accepting that God could be so humble and just love us the way we are. I feel like I know for me, everyone wants to do more, especially in our culture. Like we're all about climbing the ladder or doing more and more. But God loves us regardless of who we are or how much we've done or how much we've sinned. And I don't know that any of us can ever get to the point where we can fully accept that love because it's, it's pretty radical. But I believe that Rich's music is still around today and so influential because he, he embodied this struggle of being loved by God and trying to accept that and trying to figure out your place in the world. A lot of his best songs are, they're just like very intense, deep pressures where he's, he's one song called Hard to Get where he's kind of like questioning the love of God and he's just like, how can you love me, God? That's basically the point. Like, he's saying that, like, for him, he thinks God is hard to get. Like, he feels this distance. And I think it's important to, like, to unmask these struggles and just get it out there. And, like, days when you're having a tough time, just learn how, like, learning. I think Rich, for me, like, helped me learn how to pray through struggles. And his songs were also testaments to the goodness of God and creation and also Christian service, how we can be like someone like Rich and lay, be humble and just like really dig our feet in the work and find the ordinary places and the ordinary conversations where we can tell others about God and also learn from others about God. So I think Rich really embodies that Jesus wants the real us, the us that's behind closed doors without masks or name tags or the uniform you wear at, at work. Jesus wants us to live in a community where we can be open and honest and bear each other's struggles without shame and looking down on each other. A community where we can serve, where we can be vulnerable, and where we can just like honestly just try our best and not be judged for it. So I'm going to leave you with a question today that I think Rich would probably want me to ask. If God was so willing to walk in our dirty shoes and live our ordinary lives, why are we so afraid to walk in our own sometimes? Let's pray. Um, dear God, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for Rich and his crazy life that he lived. And thank you for sending your son as such an ordinary person to show us how to be more human. I pray as we participate in our meal for potluck, and also come to the table pretty soon that we'll just rest in your love and your acceptance for us. Amen.